In this country, some truths aren't self-evident. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as wide-ranging and real as the people who tell them, we celebrate the Black experience for all its soul and richness. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a very, very special edition of the Binge Lounge here on Michelle Mission. My name is Len, a.k.a. the Bat Tribble. And as always, I'm joined by... Hey, hey, this is Vincent Williams of It's All Soul. This week, ladies and gentlemen, we'll see the debut of Marvel Studios' latest and perhaps most anticipated film in at least quite some time. I, I mean... Maybe since the first Avengers? I was going to say, probably since the yeah, first maybe Avengers. maybe since the first Avengers. It is Chadwick Boseman, Michael B. Jordan, Angela Bassett, Forrest Whitaker, Lapita Nwango, Danae Guerra, and Andy Serkis, along with Martin Freeman in director Ryan Coogler's Black Panther, which is anticipated to open this weekend, shattering records. Yeah. Probably, I think it's safe to say this will make north of $125 million. Just this weekend. Just this weekend. Because I think the real story that we're going to be talking about going forward Mm -hmm. is the legs that this thing is going to have. Yeah. Like, I think this thing is going to stay at number one. For much longer than people are anticipating. If it knocks it, if it if it goes, if it goes three weeks, then you might be looking at a billion dollar movie. I think. I, I mean, again, just here on the ground, you, mm-hmm. you know, me and you, sort of the center of 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 the the hurricane, mm-hmm. talking to people. We've mentioned it before in in the actual episodes. I've yet to meet one person. With any plans on just seeing it once. Yeah. And it is not uncommon for me to run into people who are going to see it three, four times. I ran into someone today who was going to see it four times this weekend. This weekend. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I don't know how you track that kind of thing. I don't know how. So, so yeah. I think- ching, 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 ching. Ching, ching, indeed. Yeah. So what we thought we would do tonight, ladies and gentlemen, is give you um, a conversation. Yes. About the Black Panther, who is um, uh, a hero that I've always had light respect for. Sure. Known a great deal about him um, because I'm a huge Fantastic Four fan. A lot of times, Absolutely. that's where he, he showed up in the Fantastic Four Absolutely. a lot of the time. Yeah, so uh, that's where I. It, it's funny, even though he was an Avenger, I never read many Avenger comics where he was a member. Well, or he was a member and really had the prominence yeah. that you would think. I mean, we'll talk about you know they they talk about that in the first couple of issues. Of I'm just going to go out on a limb before we formally talk about it. 
you and my favorite Black Panther run, which is Christopher Priest's run, mm-hmm. where they talk about him being in the Avengers and seeming to kind of stand in the back all the time. Yeah, exactly. Because I think in the Avengers, he very much was just a member. Right, right. I mean, you know, the late 60s, early 70s, when he was a member proper, mm-hmm. he was certainly, you, you know, he would get the rotating attention, exactly. if you will. But, yeah. but nothing, nothing like he would. I, I absolutely agree with you how he was treated in the Fantastic Four. Because the Fantastic Four, in there, no matter who was writing it, they tended to lean on his backstory of being a king of an unconquered country, Wakanda. And it was a big deal when he showed up. Exactly. So, yeah. So we're going to have this conversation. Absolutely. Um, But as much as I am a fan of Black Panther, I get the sense that Black Panther is a lot more of an important feature in your comic book life. He absolutely is. And, you you know, again, I guess we should do it chronologically. You know, kind of have an initial chronology. But it really was a matter of after the fact. Mm -hmm. Like, you you know, there really is in my collection, you know, my purchases and my interests before Christopher Priest's run and after Christopher Priest's run. Okay. And, you know, dare I say, the vast majority of Black Panther fans had that same experience. Yeah, I would you, say. You know, I think, um, you know, as we mentioned, let's sort of get, you, you know, he, he's his first appearance, 1966. And mm-hmm. what I would argue, and I think I'm arguing with the right person, was the greatest single comic book run in history. Stan Lee and Jack Kirby's 90-some-odd issues of the Fantastic Four. yeah. He premieres smack dab in the middle, practically. You know, issue 52 says it's published. I know it's 1966. Uh, January, March issues. Mm-hmm. No, no, no. I'm sorry. The July, August issues. And I think what is amazing about that first appearance, I don't know the last time you read it. You, you know, I've Just been, been a little bit. But well, yeah. I've been joking for the past month that I've been doing research. You've been for doing this nothing episode. but deep dives. Just, just reading Black Panther. It is it, it, it is mind boggling how fully formed the concept is. Mm-hmm. Like like we were talking when we when we were critiquing Sweet Sweetback's badass song, and I talked about early comic books and how if you read the first appearance of Superman and certainly you read the first appearance of Batman, right? They're almost like bizarro versions. Of what we ended up compared with, to what compared to what we all yeah. think about, you know, the Daily Planet, Lois Lane, Perry White, and Superman's case, Batman's case, you know, the Batcave, Robin, the Batmobile, Commissioner Gordon, all of that stuff, right, comes later with them. Yes, very first appearance of the Black Panther. You've got Wakanda. Mm-hmm. You've got Wakanda as what we would call an Afrofuturist. Yes, country very much so. You, you know, from the very first appearance, you have these, you know kind of stereotypical depictions of African people. So, you know, there there, there are shields yeah. and there are spears, spears and they're barefoot and they're yep. wearing this tribal gear, but underneath it or alongside with it, coincide, you have this technology yeah. that is so advanced that, you know, the fictional character in the Marvel Universe, Mr. Fantastic, comments on it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm the dude who comes up with stuff Right. 
this is a whole country filled with stuff that is amazing to me. Yeah, it's like a city that I invented. Right. But exactly. I didn't invent it. Exactly. You have T'Challa as the king. He's already this nobility. He already has the, the vestments of the Black Panther. Yes. They refer to them as vestments. Like he's not a superhero. Exactly. You have vibranium. You have the fact that he is not, you know, back to the vestments part. And the superhero, he's not a superhero. Yeah, it's not a costume he's wearing. He's a monarch. Yes. Which means that his sense of morality, his sense of ethics are all connected to the prospering of his country. Also, the, his sense of self. Because he, he's not a black American. No. He is decidedly an African, a, a monarch, as you said. And with that, he... Um, has a certain level of expectation of how he is to be treated. Yes. And seen. Yes. You know, so that that also plays a part. It's very, and it's very striking and all that is right there in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I think you can't really overemphasize how radical this is. Especially in 1966. Especially in 1966. It turns into a bit of an embarrassing hiccup mm. in a couple of years. But Black Panther the character actually predates the Black Panthers. Yeah, the, the, the uh, By a party. few years, the Black Panther Party. In fact, so that when the Black Panther Party comes into prominence, Marvel kind of says, well, we don't want him to be associated with that. And they change his name to the Black Leopard for approximately 15 minutes. <laughs> and then someone says how stupid that is. Exactly, yeah. But this is very much... Right smack dab in the middle of the civil rights movement. Mm -hmm. And maybe the, you know, arguably the beginning stages of the radicalization of the the so-called radicalization where, you know, you have the young people kind of taking over and stepping up again. This is before the Black Panthers. Yeah. So for them to have this character who is very much vocal about the fact that I'm not here to make friends. I'm not here to fight for the American way. I'm here for my country, my countrymen. Now, if our interests coincide, cool. Mm-hmm. But the implication is there from the very beginning. True. Uh, I'm curious, though. Do you believe that the the commentary that the creation of Black Panther presents to the the culture of the day in 1966 do you believe that that was prevalent in the heads of his creators, Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, two white men, two um, you know, two forty-year-old Jewish guys? Yeah, you know, exactly. Frankly, you know, that's. I think that is a conversation that has gone back and forth over the past mm-hmm. thirty years. Whether you're talking about Black Panther, whether you're talking about the X Men. Being mm-hmm. a stand-in for the civil rights yeah. movement, and you know Professor X being Martin Luther King, and Magneto being Malcolm X, right, right, and right. certainly Stan Lee is somebody who is not against um, massaging history after the fact. <laughs> Very politically correct for you. I think, I think both of them had a sense of decency and had a sense of right and wrong. Mm-hmm. I think both of them had a sense of respecting different perspectives yeah so that that sort of innate racism that would keep someone from positing this sort of super advanced 
African nation, mm-hmm. even in this fantastic setting. Right. I don't think that's in Stanley and Jack Kirby at this moment. Okay. You know, just looking at their, their body of work. Right. So that if I had to say, was this deliberate or not? I'm going to go with deliberate just because you look at their other creations like this. Mm-hmm. And it just so happens that this particular creation is coming from the perspective of being black. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I you know, you. whether you're you. talking about Magneto, whether you're talking about a Galactus, whether you're talking about a Mole Man, mm-hmm. like they always had these creations that had a sense of morality and had a sense of ethics. Yeah. I mean, even Doctor Doom, to a certain extent, there's always a little bit more complication. It's right, right to the character. You know, right. We we just are coming at this from different places. Yeah. So. Okay. Fair enough. And I can certainly see Jack Kirby being someone who would talk Stanley maybe into that because right. he's a a tad more progressive than Stan. Absolutely. Not knocking Stan, but t- Jack was a little bit more progressive. Absolutely. Absolutely. So you know, you start there. He makes appearances here, here and again. Mm-hmm. As, as as you mentioned, he, became, he becomes a member of the Avengers. Yes, he does. But he doesn't get an actual series for a couple of years. Um, there's a, there's there's a comic book called Jungle Action, mm-hmm. which once you get past Jungle Action in the title in 1973, I think the important thing about Jungle Action is that. This is the first sustained collection of stories that take place in Wakanda proper. Right. And this whole series, you you know, depending on where you begin and when you start, this runs about three years. And it's written by Don McGregor, who is, you know, in my mind, the second great Black Panther writer. Okay. You know, I think you start with... um, Priest... No, no, I think you you know, just chronologically. Well, I think uh, Priest is the best. Okay, okay, okay. But I think you you know, you I, in my mind there have been three greats. Mhm. And then there's one we're still kind of watching. Okay. And chronologically at this point Don McGregor is the first. Okay. Don McGregor I was is wondering the first. Where you, and right. so many of the pieces that we see in the movie whether we're talking about Man Ape whether we're talking about Killmonger, mm-hmm. whether we're talking about the 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 intra tribal, intra cultural conflicts mm-hmm. that you see in Wakanda, and just the 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 the, the socio political elements of Wakanda, you get with Don McGregor, yeah, okay. because he treats it seriously, right? Like right. this is actually a fictional com- uh, country. This is these are actual fictional people. And what what dawned on me as I was kind of looking at stuff and rereading it, McGregor's Black Panther is actually some Edgar Burroughs stuff. Oh, really? But it's just all black people. Okay, like sort of the best of the Tarzan stuff, mm-hmm. where Tarzan has hidden kingdoms and, yeah. and all of this stuff. But it's just this sort of white savior figure in the middle of it. Right. It's that, but everybody is black. Okay. Which then kind of radicalizes it. Yeah. And it's it it, it holds up. It's, it's been probably a, like ever ago that I read that run. So. The prose is a little purple. But that's you, the time. But that's the time. And again, Don McGregor setting this up as this adventure fantasy you know, again, it's 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 John Carter, Warlord of Mars. Okay, it's Tarzan. It's it's again all of these Burroughs adventurers. 
Okay. But it's just all black people. Man, that's an interesting way to take him. Yeah. You know, I, I think that despite his trappings of costume and mask and, you know, the claws that pop out and everything like that, um, there has been, for the most part of his solo runs, there has been a effort to keep Black Panther away from the more straight superhero type action. Exactly. You know, um, and I think that just speaks well to the character and, and the, the stories that um, his backstory lends itself to. Yeah, yeah, and, and there's that nobility. Mm-hmm. You know, there's that nobility, There, there's that pathos, there's that, you, you know, sense of living up to the the, the memory and, and, and the images of his father. And again, all of this is baked in. Yep. Like, all of this is baked in. And, and you know, talking about was it deliberate, was it not deliberate, when, when you think about Stan Lee and Jack Kirby sort of being influenced by Shakespeare, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's, it's like... There are dozens of instances where they do this. Yeah. It just so happens, once again, this is this African monarch. Right. And very rarely did you see and do you see African people treated like this. Right. So Don McGregor takes it, unpacks it, and and turns it into this really tight, you know, something that, you know, I read um, Dwayne McDuffie. The legendary writer has called the first graphic novel. Oh, okay. Like this, this sort of sustained run. You know, it's like Panthers Rage, Panthers Vengeance. Like they're all Panthers something. Mm, okay. okay. And and it really is. Like I have to say, if I had to pick one series or one comic to hand to because this has been on my mind you know I've got young people around me mm-hmm. who are you know oh I want to get into the Black Panther I want to get and you know we'll talk about Ta-Nehisi Coates in a moment I don't know how user friendly Ta-Nehisi Coates run is for an 11 year old for a 12 year old right. for a 16 year old I would hand him Don McGregor's run okay Be, because it really is this kind of really tightly plotted really thoughtful examination of this character and this culture and and all of of the supporting characters in this world then and his tom mcgregor's run was about three years right yes so why is it that you think black panther took so so long to to truly get his own book um and then conversely, to get really any true respect in the comic book world. I mean, I think you always got to start with racism and, and sort of the racism of, of, of disinterest, frankly. Like, like I think, you know, Black Panther has notoriously always been a low seller. Yeah, but see... Well, okay, I guess it is disinterest. Um, I think it's also just a, unfortunately, a, um, a, a, a a rejection of anything that presents black people in a light that people aren't comfortable about. As There's, much as people yeah. herald black, black Panther, 
You know, it's like, yeah, Black Panther, I love that character and everything like that. I think the majority of eh, probably more than a, a few older guys of a certain age, uh, black as well. But I think the majority of the white fans, they know him from appearing in the Avengers or Fantastic Four. Right. I don't think they really know him from his books. I don't think in in if they ever even tried the books, I don't think they really ever latched on to him sure. because this was a character who was like, oh, and we're talking before priest, before priest, yeah, because oh, he's just a little bit too much in my face. I'm gonna go with the black I know, and that's when it, why Luke Cage Power Man has right. such a is such a touch tone to people. Yeah, yeah, I will say this too, and this will everyone should probably um, clip this out and put it on a corkboard. This will be the last time I defend racist fanboys. I do think one thing about the McGregor run is that it's so self-contained. Mm-hmm. It's almost not a part of the Marvel Universe proper. Right. And I do think that there's a large percentage of us as comics fans mm-hmm. that we buy these, you know, these, these sort of in, you know, these big universe comic books because there's a sense that this story I'm reading is part of a larger story. Okay. So, you know, that every five issues, Spider-Man's going to show up or, you know, there's going to be a reference to the mutants. Mm -hmm. And when you read McGregor's run, it is very self-contained. Okay. So that, you you know. But I think that's all, I think that has been true of most runs of Panther, except maybe when Kirby was involved, and that's because Kirby didn't care. I mean, even Kirby's run, like when you reread it, I don't know who crosses over. And then, you know, let's, I mean, that's a perfect transition. Because so that's the next. Right. So a few years after that, uh, Jack Kirby, his creator, not, his creator, not to get too inside baseball but he had fallen out with Marvel. Mm-hmm. He goes to DC for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. He comes back to Marvel. And when he comes back to Marvel, he does this series of really kind of screwball bananas work that, yeah. you know, so, you know, people call it like his se- the second coming of Kirby. And in the midst of this work, he does 12 issues of Black Panther. It's actually Black Panther's first actual book. title. It's, yeah. it's his book because, again, previously it was all in jungle action. Mm-hmm. And it is absolutely bananas. Yeah. It is absolutely bizarre. And there are time traveling bronze frogs involved <laughs> and and carnies and and you know frankly this is just where Kirby was at this moment. Yeah. Like I'm I have a real soft spot for this the second coming of Kirby because he's just bizarre. Yeah. And Lost his mind. And, you know, I think this is an important run just because this is something that puts black characters in extraordinary circumstances. Okay. Like, this Black Panther run is actually more bonkers science fiction than any of the other runs. Yeah. And the fact that you have a half dozen black characters Mm -hmm. involved is I mean it's kind of radical. I mean it's kind none of, of them have a broom. None of them have a broom. I mean, well, and not only do none of them have a broom. I mean, as much as I love Don McGregor's run, it's in a title called Jungle Action, <laughs> and it's in the jungle, so that it's still black people in the jungle. Yes, it's Wakanda. Yes, you know everything I just said about burrows, and I love it. But it's still 
in a, 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 a context right. that doesn't challenge anything. Right. Kirby's Black Panther run is actually black science fiction. Like, it's actually, you know, it's actually the Afrofuturism aspect of it. So that when I say there are three great writers, I actually include those 12 issues of Kirby's run. Fair enough. I mean, they're just completely bananas. But in this moment, when we're celebrating, you know, if you like Janelle Monet. If you like Get Out, mm-hmm. Kirby's Black Panther run is sort of the spiritual antecedent to that. I don't like the idea of putting. Uh, I know you don't. <laughs> in the same sentence, I know Chanel you don't. Monet. I have a very small list of white guys that I'm going to put into you know sort of the creative brew mm-hmm. of black art. Jack Kirby is one of them. Okay. Like like it's it's a very small list in Jack Kirby and and a lot of it is the Black Panther. And what you know, again from the first run and from this run. Okay. Fair enough. So and then he just kinda lies fallow. Yeah. You don't hear from Black Panther for a minute. Like for a minute he he shows up every now and yeah, then. He show, it, it, definitely in between there he shows up in uh Fantastic Four. You know, Fantastic Four, there are guest appearances. There's a really cool issue of Daredevil that he was in. Oh. Where where his cousin is married to an ex-guardsman. That wasn't during a priest run? No. They reference it in the priest run. Hmm. But it happened a few years earlier, and they moved to America, and it's basically how America takes these noble, kind of pure Wakandans. Right. Yeah, and they take them and and it despoils them, huh? So that there's like this real kind of, you, you know, um, accidental commentary <laughs> on what America does to black people. I remember reading it when I was like twelve, thirteen. Like, huh? I don't. This is weird. <laughs> you know how when you're thirteen, you don't have the vocabulary to do stuff. Very true. So you say this is weird. And this happened, you know, and this is where it is for, you know, however many years. And then you get to Christopher Priest. Wow. And then you the, get to Christopher Priest. Christopher Priest and Mark Textera. Mark Textera, 1998. Who, when their book hit with the painted cover of the Black Panther scaling the side of a building, everybody had to have it. Yeah, yeah. Everybody had to have it. And it was a good read. You know, it dealt with some uh, socio-political things about Wakanda coming to America and everything like that. Um, it was really some good stuff. You know, I didn't stick with it for the whole run, but I enjoyed it a lot. Well, you know, I think the thing about it, again, not to get too inside baseball, there was a sub-imprint of, um, of Marvel called Marvel Knights mm-hmm. at the moment. And the whole point of Marvel Knights was to take these intellectual properties that hadn't been utilized as much and kind of shine them up. And Christopher Priest is is one of the, the, the sort of legendary African-American writers who has worked for Marvel over the years. You know, he changed his name from Jim Olsley. And when he was Jim Olsley, he was the first black editor at Marvel. He actually, I mean, you want to talk about black heroes... In, in mass media, I would argue that Luke Cage is a thing 
because of his run on um, Power Man and Iron Fist. Because of Priest's because run. Because of Pre- when he was Jim Olsley. Mm-hmm. So Jim Olsley and Mark Bright had this fantastic run of Power Man and Iron Fist. Oh, wow. Where they turn that. into the duo that we know. Priest says he wants to get involved and he is offered Black Panther. And, you know, kind of like you said, I think the fascinating thing about it is that he kind of chips away all the barnacles that have grown. Yeah. For, you know, two decades, you know, three decades, actually. Mm -hmm. And he goes back to the original appearance. Right. So that Black Panther is now noble. He's mysterious. He is Wakanda first. Yep. And what you end up getting is is this amazing almost fifty issue run of this examination of this sort of again noble um batman esque figure who you know always plans always has multiple plans is established as one of the most important figures in this marvel universe and Basically, everything that is needed to put Black Panther in a position mm-hmm. to be taken seriously is set up by a priest. Yep. He introduces the Dora Majai. That's all him. Dora Malaje. The Dora Malaje. Is that how they say it? Malaje. The Dora Malaje. Mm-hmm. He introduces that concept. He introduces Everett Ross. Oh, I didn't know that. That's right. He did. He did. He did. He, he did. actually introduced it in a comic right before Black Panther came out because he was planning on oh, okay. incorporating him into Black Panther. He um he really, really more firmly establishes Wakanda as this technological wonderland within the context of the Marvel Universe proper. Right. In a way that other writers hadn't done before. And he sets him up as someone who should be admired, should be feared, mm. should be seen. You know, sort of sort of it's one of those great stories where his the, the story behind his run is almost as interesting as the run itself. Oh really? Like there's there's this ongoing sort of subplot in there is Black Panther would we consider him a super villain a super villain because he, or at least Magneto because he's all about the protection of his people mm-hmm. he doesn't necessarily have the same principles and scruples as we would ascribe to quote unquote superheroes he's not concerned about it no he's not <laughs> he's self contained so that you know there's this you, you know priests used to have a website where he would talk about things and, and kind of have a running commentary, and he would talk about the push and pull okay. between himself and and Marvel about the directions that he was pushing the, the Black fa- Panther in. He also famously had said that it was his idea for the Black Panther to marry Storm, and they wouldn't let him do it. Why not? They didn't think it was a good idea. They didn't think Storm, you know, Storm was too big. Well, I. <laughs> She wasn't. I mean, she was big. I mean, I'm just telling you what Priest said. He said he wanted to. He wanted them to get married in his run. And if you look at the issues that Storm appears in the Priest run, mm-hmm. you can see him angling. Angling. Did they have a relationship of some sort? 
Oh Lord! No, they there's there's a backup story in an issue of Marvel Team Up. Okay, where the two of them met as teenagers. Okay, and as far as continuity, that's the only time that you see. And then they had a you know a, you, you know they had like a couple of weeks mm-hmm. where they were so you know like he had run away to prove that the prince could stand on his own. You know she was basically a jungle hobo. So they ran into each other and had a good time. And then they realized that their lives were taking them in different directions. But, you know, Priest was trying to build it up. Remember that, ladies and gentlemen. Remember that. That's going to be important in about five minutes. Yes. So that, in my mind, like like I just said, that the Fantastic Four run Mm -hmm. of Stan Lee and Jack Kirby is the greatest run in comics history, if you ask me. I think Priest is in the top five. I think that Black Panther run, and I know you have reservations about the art, which you should. Yeah. But I think the story is that strong. And when you read it all in one chunk, Reading, right. it's it's amazing. Uh, that art is too uh, up and down. I think for you to have a really solid run, you have to have at least, you have to have an artist with you for a good stretch of that run. Like Teen Titans. Teen Titans right, right, right. back in the 80s famously was Marv Wolfman, George Perez. George Perez left after they went to the Baxter series and all that type of stuff. He did the Trigon story. He left. Yes. Marv Wolfman stays on the comic for almost like another 40, 50 issues. Yes. Inks a, a ton with uh, Mike we, uh, we, we, Ringo. Yes. No, uh, Mike Waringo isn't on the Titans. You think about oh, no. the Flash? I'm thinking Flash. Uh, he, he, it's like Ed Hannigan and Edward and Eduardo Bardo, Burrito. Yeah. That's who that was on. It, who yeah. was on it. Eduardo Burrito? Who did more issues than than Perez did? Than Perez yeah. of their you know that newer series. But when people think about the great run of Teen Titans, they think they about think the Wolfman, Wolfman and Perez. They don't think about Wolfman and Burrito. I, I can't even, I can't really argue with that. I think that's, I, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. I think when you talk about great runs, most of the time you're talking about an artist, I mean, a, a writer artist combination. You yeah. are right. I don't knock anyone for not including Priest's run because of that, but I've always been more drawn to the story itself. And, and I think you're absolutely right. It is, it is criminal. Yeah, how he was treated with his artists, you know, something else that he's been quite vocal about, and that is really a detriment to the run. I'm saying, in spite of that, I think it's just that good. It's one of my favorite runs. It really is. Having said that, I would not recommend it to a 12 year old. Oh no! Yeah, I would not recommend. Like, no, like you was... are you are deep, deep in the comic fans' woods. Well, that with t- Priest, that but also because as you spoke about earlier, this was part of the Marvel Knights pub- publication round, right? Initially, mm-hmm. uh, and those books were primed to go after an older older audience. Yeah, so yeah, although they're not that bad. True, they're not that bad at all. But but I still wouldn't give my twelve year old. Yeah, no. I just want because it's it's amazingly oblique. 
it, you know, Priest was doing all types of storytelling tricks with, you know, it was after Pulp Fiction. Everybody was telling stories out of sequence and, you know. Yeah. So that goes also never really a big seller. But, you know, I think I think Priest Black Panther had a lot of important fans, like the fans who actually ran Marvel. Like he had a lot of, 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 of cheerleaders at Marvel for that run. And then that run also ends. And we get to Reggie Hudlin. Oh, God. Reggie Hudlin, famously of the Hudlin brothers, who has now come to do some comic book writing. I think he's actually recruited. He's recruited. He's recruited. He's definitely a name. Right, and they're going to make, you know, and at the time they had, you know, there was a partnership with BET. There was mm-hmm. going to be a there was going to be a cartoon series. And so you have Reggie Hutland and initially John Ramada Jr. And it's on art. On art. Yeah. And uh they basically Hutland basically comes up with like a it's not even a heist film. It it basically is Lethal Weapon 5. It's terrible. It's really, I just, because I just actually was introduced to it. Um, it really is not a good story it's at not. all. At all. It it ends, it just ends. It's no fade out or anything like that. It's story just ends. None of the characters sound Right, right, right. It's it's very obvious. It's very you know. It's very much you you know. It's it's almost a caricature of what a racist would think the Black Panther is. Like the whole thing is set up for for the Black Panther in Wakanda to scold white people mm-hmm. and tell them how they're children and we're better than you. And you know, it's in the midst of of the Bush presidency, so there are these really obvious analogs. Like there's a character. Named Gandhi Rice, <laughs> who's a you know, it's, and it's just, and I'm not a John, John Ramada Jr. fan either. Me neither. Like I think you know his art is blocky. Yeah. It's it's not expressive. Yeah. And you know, for a character that's supposed to be sleek, like well, a panther, he you know he draws him. He looks like a linebacker. And having said that, there are two very important things. What? That you have to give Reggie Hudlin credit for in his run. First of all, the Dora Malage. The Dora Malage. In Priest's run, the Dora Malage, there are just two of them. Reggie Hudlin is the one that establishes that A, there's a bunch of them. B, he really does more with the security aspect, where they are warriors in their own right. So that when we think about the Dora Milaje and we think about the image of them in in the movie Mm -hmm. and what we've been talking about, you you know, in the past five, six years, credit where credit is due. Yes. Those are that's Hudlin's. That's Hudlin's contribution or at least one of his contributions. I think the second great contribution by Reggie Hudlin into the Black Panther mythos is one that along with the Dora Milaje makes me forgive him and that is Shuri yeah Hudlin comes up with Shuri and Shuri for those who don't know is T'Challa's younger sister yes and you know in Hudlin's run eventually 
she takes up the mantle of the Black Panther for a long time. Mm-hmm. And again, it's it's not good. Right. You know, there are parts that you you know, it's it's like it, it it's it's like all of the nobility, all of the nuance, all of, of this sort of this complicated character work that priests spent years building. It's all torn down. It's all torn down. But you get the Dora Milaje as a separate entity. Right. And you get Shuri. Okay. So you take that. You take that. And then you keep it pushing because there ain't nothing else to see There's here. nothing else there. I also would not recommend. And and really, that is the end of the Black Panther as a, a, solo, right? as a solo title. You know, he takes over Daredevil's title for a little while, which is, you know. Yeah, that was a novelty. It's, it's a novelty. It's not bad. He shows up as sort of this reoccurring figure throughout the Marvel Universe, you, you know, at this oh, time. Yeah. Where at this point, he's a well-established power player. So if there are power players in the room, Black Panther is there. <laughs> and everybody knows that he should be there. Right. And, you know, which kind of brings us to the present. Yes. And Ta-Nehisi Coates' run. Yeah. That started a few years ago. With Brian Stillfree. At Stilf- least on the first on, trade. on the first, you know, seven, eight issues, which in and of itself, again, you, you know, you know, trying not to get too inside baseball-y. Brian Stillfreeze is like this legendary artist. Mm-hmm. And for him to be doing interiors as opposed to just a cover, which in and of itself is an event. Right. Like a Brian Stillfreeze cover. Right. And you have, you know, this wonderful design work that he's done where when you look at the design of the Black Panther in the films, in the vibranium and the um, the color accents, <laughs> that's all still freeze. Yeah, yeah, and and he's very he's 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 having fun with it. Like you said, it's been a long time since he's done um interiors, and I think he wants to be you know, part of this resurgence. Yeah, yeah. Of, you know, because Black Panther is, like we mentioned at the top of the show with the movie re- being released, Black Panther is very prominent I on mean, the minds of... They got Ta-Nehisi Coast to write it. I mean, what kind of Brinks truck did they back up to his house? Yeah, man. It's like, how many MacArthur fella- fellows have written comic books lately? Now, let me ask you, because I don't know. What is... The big deal about Tanahasi. I mean, he's an essayist. He's a so he his, writes essays. He's a historian, so he knows history. He's a you know he does commentary. I mean, I think he's, he's what a we, commentator. What we used to call a public intellectual. He's a public. So would he be akin to James Baldwin? Yes. Okay. Yes, I think they held very similar positions okay. at that time. Okay. And to bring him in to write a comic book. Mm-hmm. I think the last time we, you know, quite honestly, is when, you know, Samuel Delaney was writing Wonder Woman in the 70s. Like, you know, you bring these legendary people out in their own fields to write a comic book. Yeah. And he writes Black Panther. And again, you know, I'll get to him. Like, I, I wasn't quite finished with the Still Freeze art. I think the design of Wakanda. And everywhere and the thoughtfulness that that Still mm-hmm. Freeze has put into it, that that again the look of Wakanda. If you love the Afrofuturist look, yeah, that you see in the movie, eighty percent of it is Still Freeze, and so that 
if for no other reason, I would recommend Coates Run just to look at it. Like, like it's almost the well, it's not the opposite of the Priest case because I do think Coates has has value. But, but I think you you know, it, it's it's funny. Those of you who've been listening to us for a while know that I went to Europe last year. Yes, and, you did. And when I was in Paris, I bought a French edition, a French hardback of uh, Coates' first six issues. Oh, really? Which is in French. Oh, yeah. So I can't read it. <laughs> but I just flip through it and look at the pictures. So, Like, it's just that beautiful. Yeah, but you could have got it here and you could have been reading Yeah, I know. But, you know, <laughs> you know I have it like you and I bought it and I have it on, on like my iPad. You know how they had the little the little things where, where you, you get the, the digital version? Yes. So, like, if I want to read it. But you've also kind of gotten to something. I don't know how much I'm going to re- be rereading Coats. Ooh. Have you read it? Are you reading it? I read the first couple of issues. Uh-huh. That hesitance in your voice. I think you're saying what a lot of people are saying. It just wasn't me, man. It. I think it is very thoughtful. Yeah. I think you can tell, like thoughtful implies, he spent a lot of time researching countries in Africa, mm-hmm. researching culture, yeah, researching a lot of things, mm-hmm. and and there is a, 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 a deliberate vision that he is he is going for going for and because he's Tanahisi Coates you get the sense that he has a free hand yeah you do having uh, said it's it's, uh, it's it's a bit like homework yeah see cuz i think like it's it, a bit like homework it's not really that uh fun in or the immortal, interesting in the immortal words of um i believe it was homer simpson who said it insists upon itself. It insists upon itself. And it does. Yeah. And it's it does. trying too hard. I mean, you, you know, I, I don't know how much I can fault somebody for taking this character seriously. You can't. And for, and, and, and for you, you know, paying the respect due. But at the same time, it is a bit of a chore. Yeah. It is. It's, it's not... It's not fun. And then it becomes less so as the trades go on. Right. Because, as I knew it was going to happen, Brian still freeze doesn't keep up. Yeah. And the art changes. Yeah. Although, I like what he's done with the... Dora Milaje. The Dora Milaje, which I think has been the real story of the Black Panther over the past 15 years. This sort of emergence of these amazing black female Mm. characters mm. both visually and you know as concept oh god Vince what what's wrong ladies and gentlemen um, the day that we were recording this I actually went to a screening yes, yes. of the Black Panther movie a uh, press screening of it yes I'm doing my best <laughs> fucking choke them <laughs> but man you were hitting on so many notes that I'm like oh, oh I want to talk about that I can't talk about it <laughs> I can't talk about it hey we just talking about the comics I know some of us aren't sitting in hot cotton and have seen it I'm going to have to wait to see it with the hoi polloi <laughs> the common man the proletariat 
That's when I'll see it. All I am is a simple man with a bunch of comics. So am I. And you saw the Black Panther. I have a press pass. And a press pass, yeah. (laughs) Um, We're talking about the Black Panther in comics, but he has been in other media. Yes. Um, He actually, well, he's about to show up in movies, um, but he actually has been on television in at least two iterations that I can think of. Um, Now, one, we'll go into this real quick. There was a two, I don't think three, two season run of Earth's Mightiest Heroes, the Avengers. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That Black Panther, I believe, like on that second season shows up or maybe it's the second half of the first season. I was about to say because he shows up pretty early. Yeah. Uh, He shows up. It's a cartoon. It's an animated series. It's costumes change slightly. Um, More change around the mask. Mm Mm-hmm. And I think it's done more because Black Panther religiously has always had a single solitary mask, black mask, covering his face. Mm-hmm. So I think they changed it up more just so he could maybe be a little bit more expressive, not come off yeah. as a little yeah. evil. Um, and it was a series that did not have – it did not boast the best animation by any stretch of the imagination. But – was a fun series. I liked it a lot. I liked it a great deal. It was the you could tell that the creators were having fun playing in the Marvel Studios sandlot, um, and it would have been very easy for them not to be respectful of all of their characters, including Black Panther. But I think that for the most part they were. Yeah. Oh yeah. I really, really enjoyed it. Uh, then, real quick, the Black Panther shows up. In Marvel's uh, animated film, uh, they did a, a director video animation of uh, the Avengers based on Mark Mark Miller and Brian Hitch's run right. on the Ultimates. Uh, and then in the second movie, Black Panther shows up. All right. You know, I don't know if you ever saw that one. I didn't. It's, yeah, I, I never actually saw that. It's it, it again. It, it's as heralded as Marvel is for their comics, as heralded as they are for their movies. Their animation, especially, just sometimes just leaves a lot to be desired. Yeah, it's very uh, confusing. Yeah, and you could tell that they had high hopes for the first Ultimates DVD. That actually wasn't a bad hit. Yeah, uh, it was a, a nice size hit, um, and it would it tried to approximate. In animation, the art style, Brian Hitch, right? You know, legendary artist who drew that book. Uh, it didn't quite succeed, but I can see what they were going for. The second trade or second story, which is where in the comic, which is where Black Panther show, shows up, and what they adapt for the movie, it's kind of rough. Okay, and they changed up the Black Panther in that run so that he has a half mask. Right. So his face is showing. Right. It's not a good look. Yeah. You could have stopped with Mark Miller. <laughs> and I could have filled in the the rest. But now we turn to... We should probably talk about Storm. At least for a second. Well, I think we talk about Storm after you talk about the animated stuff. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Because there's one last animated piece that was released kind of. Okay. It was an adaptation of Reggie Hutland's first story. 
Yeah. Um, which features basically uh, an invasion of Wakanda from Claw and assorted uh, villains. That was adapted into a four-part, I guess, animated miniseries. Right, right, right. That was supposed to debut on, oh one, my God. I think, like one of the Marvel or maybe even a Fox-owned network. But it was determined that the animation wasn't quite up to par. So they kicked it back. I've already dropped one F-bomb. And then somewhere along the lines, it appears up in in Canada, I believe. Such a clusterfuck. The whole deal. <laughs> it really was. Didn't like they used to play it on BET at like 3 in the morning? Yes, because BET, after it ran in Canada, BET bought the rights oh, to air it in the United States. But then even BET, like you just said, they don't show it no love. They put it on like 3.30 in the morning. Right, like you would turn after- to it. Yeah, like wait, what, what was what? the video show everybody watched on BET? Oh, the the, the one with which you see the nipples and the booties. Yeah, it's like BET after after dark. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it will come on after that, right? You know, You're like um, is that Black Panther? It was terrible. It was ter- It was well. It was terrible what they did with the show, um, but also. The animation was not all that good it, either. It was, it was because it heralded back to the 1960s yeah, Marvel kind of comics. stop motion. You could tell stop they had, motion with the, the there the, were frames missing. You could tell they yeah. had cut corners and yeah, and, it, and literally cut corners around some of the characters straight from the comic book and posted them up onto some type of board and filmed them. Which again, the art was terrible. So. <laughs> Yeah, it was not a good thing. I think it may be out there on DVD right now, ladies and gentlemen. Sure, why if not? You, if, you, uh, if, you, if you value your life, you will stay away. Or at least your time. Yeah. Like, get, like, the, be something get the box set of Earth's Mightiest Heroes, yeah. The Avengers. Yeah. I think that's worth it. Yeah. Now, you were going Storm. Yes, I mean, you may, you may have heard that at some point T'Challa was married to Storm. Yeah, man. And this initially happened during Reggie the Reggie Hutlin run. And, you know, as we mentioned, Reddy, Reggie Hutlin was a Hollywood guy. So he had more pull yes. than Priest did. And they, in a very sort of ham-fisted fashion, threw together in literally a matter of months mm-hmm. that these two characters were going to get married. Yeah, because they hinted at it because it, it, a lot of it is repeated in Reggie Hutlin's run. They hint there at a previous, if not relationship, at least a previous time when these two were, quote unquote, going out together. Um, But they never, or at least not as far as I've gotten into the run so far, they never really pinpointed down when is it first mentioned in continuity and everything like that. And (coughs) it's... uh, like you said, it was just force. It just seems so, yeah, so out of left because it happened so fast. Yeah, you know. I think the irony is that so you know this happens and and you know and I will say this. I do think part of the uproar and and backlash against it, mm-hmm. there was a vein of storm. Really, was one of these sexualized characters. That frankly, white fanboys liked. Yeah. So there was a vein of racism in there. Having said that, it was a terrible coupling, and the way it went down. 
Well, the vein of racism, sure, is there, but I've heard from a few people who were upset of the coupling of the two of them because in the main Avengers, uh, Avengers, X-Men book of the day, there was the bubblings of a romance between Storm and Wolverine. Right. One that a lot of people are kind of long to see. Right. And then that was pretty much just excommunicated. Right. Because now they can't even grab them. Yeah. I think the irony is that once they got rid of it, you know, so so I guess it's been 10 years now that they had, they basically annulled their marriage. Like, it's it's actually this great scene in the comic where where the Black Panther says to her that the high chief of the Panther clan has annulled our marriage, so you don't have to worry about it. And Storm says, wait a minute. <laughs> You're the high chief of the Panther clan. And he says, yes, I am. And then he stalks away pantherly. But I think the irony is in those 10 years, mm-hmm. comics has done more to build their relationship than they did in any of the time leading up to them getting married. Oh, have they? Because I... Yeah. Like, you know, just throughout the years, they show up around each other. You, you know, and she's... There's always that little bit of shared history. There's always a shared history. You know, there's a sense of duty is keeping them apart. She's been almost a recurring guest star in Coates' run. Mm. And it's nice. And I don't know if it'll ever go anywhere, but it's kind of nice seeing them together. But, yeah. you know, if, if you hear people talk about T'Challa being married to Storm, like I remember for a long time, when, when the, the trailer, the first trailer came out, people thought that Angela Bassett's character was Storm because of the white hair. Yeah, but you know, then there's and because that. for years people wanted to. That's that was even at the time when Halle Berry was cast as Storm. Right. That was that was like that was the fan. Uh, that was the fan's choice. Yeah, yeah. Angela Bassett. Yeah, so you know and that kind of brings you up to date. It does. Kind of brings you up to date. It, so so where are where are you with Black Panther still? Because he's still, you know. I'm super excited for the film. Yes. But he still kind of holds that same place that he always has with me. Like, he's a great character. He's, he's uh, I can see people having a lot of fun with him. Right. Um, but for some reason, I just don't know if I'm super interested in reading his books. I am super interested in reading his book. I think I like what Coates is setting up. Like, I like how Coates has really, really... And I think you see this... It, it looks like the film is going to pull from this, too. The the sort of deepening culture of Wakanda. Okay. As a whole country. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, over the years, people have talked about, you know, it's a country, so you have different um, cultures within the country. And then Africa is a huge continent. Mm-hmm. Like, in some ways, I'm interested in Black Panther as almost like the ocean is to Aquaman. Mm-hmm. Africa could be to the Black Panther. Okay. Where I'm less interested as him, you know, as part of the Avengers or, yeah. you know, he teams up with Spider-Man or, you know, this kind of thing. Uh-oh, here comes, you, you know, Doctor Doom. Right. You know, I'm really, really, I'd be really, really interested in the Black Panther 
in Wakanda, mm-hmm. having Wakandan adventures. And, and you know, and to be clear, I like this current run. It's not my favorite run. You know, there are times that it is almost like homework, but I'm enjoying seeing all of these people of color, all of these black people. Yep. In this Afrofuturist context, mm-hmm. many different characters. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he's he's very respectful of all the runs. And and you know, I think it really is Speaking of Ryan Cooper. Speaking of Ryan Oh, what? As, far, as far as being respectful of all oh, the right. Well, I'm still on Ta-Nehisi Coates. Oh, okay, okay, run. okay. I'm sorry. But, I'm sorry. You know, I think... I got the movie in my mind. Right, right. <laughs> I think all of these writers, from Kirby to Coates, mm-hmm. have done this wonderful job of creating these these toys. Yeah. That, you know, the next person can kind of, you, you know, come... And, and and the next person after that and the next person after that. Right. And and it's it's just this really, really amazing Amer- you know, African American pop culture story. Now we talked about it on the main show, I think there are two things that are sort of fascinating to me. A, I don't believe anyone African has ever written the Black Panther. No, I don't believe so. So I would be interested in an African writer okay. kind of tackling that. B, you, you know, there there's a spinoff to Coates' book, World of Wakanda, yeah, where you had a couple of female voices, mm-hmm. but nothing on the main title, nothing sustained. I think with the, the sort of Black Panther concept having evolved into this almost communal world right. where Shuri and the, one more time, Dora Milaje, the Dora Milaje are, are so prominent. I'd, I'd really like to see a female voice guide this for a sustained period. Yeah, I think it would be interesting. But, but I think at this point, I am, I am very, very, very interested in the Black Panther. Um... And I'm looking forward to the film. I'm looking forward to the film. Well, I saw the film, Vince. Yes. So, I'm going to give you a rare opportunity. We're not going to spoil anything. Please don't. We're not going to spoil anything. Okay. But I'm going to give you a rare opportunity to ask me up to three questions. If you only have one, that's fine. It's up to you. But you get to ask me. Three questions. Three questions. About the Black Panther movie. Okay. Yeah, I'll give them to you. Okay. Question number one. Question number one. This is the overarching question. Yes. Does it live up to the hype? This is what I'll say. The Black Panther movie is everything I thought it was going to be and more. Okay. Are you going to expand on that, or is that your final answer for that part of the answer? <laughs> uh, that's my final answer. Okay. Question number two. Question number two. Visually, they're stunning. They're a large part of the trailers. Are the door Milaje as prominent as the trailers would have you seen them to be? Yes. Okay. Very much so. Question number three. Question number three. 
I don't know if I want to an- ask that one. Mm. No, I do want to ask that one. Mm. When the credits roll. Mm, okay. When the credits roll. Yes. All right. I'm seeing the, the credits. And the movie is off. The movie is off the screen. Lights come up. Lights come up. I think there are two types of Marvel movies. Yes. There are the Marvel movies like The Last Thor or or any of the Avengers movies where you see that they are really just sort of pieces of a puzzle. Mm-hmm. And that... You're, or like Doctor Strange, even to a certain extent. Okay. And you can kind of go to the next thing, wherever that Marvel character is. Mm-hmm. And then there are Marvel movies that are kind of self-contained. Right. That the next film that you want to see is a film about those characters. Yes. And I'm thinking about Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. Is Black Panther more Marvel film du jour setting up? For eight months from now in the next Marvel film du jour, hmm. or is it more Guardians of the Galaxy? What I'll say is that Black Panther is rated PG 13. That's it. What is what what is <laughs> No, no, you gotta do more than that for this answer. <laughs> I would say that this is um, it is a very self-contained film um, that definitely makes a, some allusions mm-hmm. to other stuff <clears throat> but they're so subtle that you could miss them and perfect don't even care that's what I kind of wanted to ask but I was scared what the answer was going to be. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. I think that's I think that's a good move because I think it's going to be a lot of people going to see the Black Panther that don't give a damn about Ant-Man. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's very true. Or quietly Thor and Iron Man. Uh, quietly any of them yeah they don't really care yeah you're you you will you will not care about a man with a shield you know what bonus question i'm just gonna ask is this a superhero movie it's a superhero movie okay um like the like like a whole lot of these movies um there are some aspects of it that are you know, maybe less superhero than others, and some of them that it's just maybe straight action. That definitely is a part of this film where you will you will definitively feel like you are watching uh, a 007 movie. Um, well, that's not a superhero film. No, I'm saying, I'm okay. saying, but it's uh, like it's okay. it, it, like 100 feels right, right. like a 007 movie right. at one time. I think I actually saw Ryan Coogler say that. Uh, but it is a superhero film, and in that way, and in that way, that kind of illustrates part of what my my answer was about every everything that I thought it was going to be. Because there was always there was always a part of me that was wondering concerned to a degree of you know is this just going to be you know more of the same from marvel right you know which not all of their movies but a great many of their movies get lumped into that uh 
And I think there's a degree of that to this film, to be fair. However, I think to the to the degree that it is more of the same, it's better than the rest of them, and not just because everybody's black. Right. That it, it's it's despite everybody being right, black. Right. Right. That right. is very much um, the cherry on top. Right. 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 Of what is actually a very good film or, or you know it's just sort of example number 50,000 and whatever that <laughs> when you're black you got to be twice as good to get half as much so therefore you got to be four times as good well this is twice as good as most of them and it stands to get as much as the best of them yeah if not more so you know you know, that's I, just what we had to do. That's <laughs> what we had to do. Well, I think that's a wonderful way to shut it down. Shut it down. And, you know, the next time we speak, we will have both seen it. Ooh. 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 Yeah. 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 We may have to do a review, man. I mean, obviously, we're going to review it. We may have to. Do- so. The next time we speak will be, I guess, next Tuesday. Yeah. We record these things on Tuesdays. Yeah. So will you have seen it once or twice by then? It's a good question. Because we'll be together all day Saturday. Yeah. And then, because so, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I actually, I don't, I'm not going to have time to see it like Thursday and Friday. So like when we see it. That's, that's going to be my first, Which frankly is how I wanted to see it the first time. Of that's course. the other thing. Like I wanted to see it. With us the first time. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, go back and, like, see it, see it. So, you know, Sunday, I don't know what was going on in House Williams. I might <laughs> try and figure out a way to sneak out, but I may have only seen it once by Tuesday. Okay. All right. So. Well, I will have seen it at least twice. Right. Right. So, um, and then, you know, when we meet again, we're, we're talking about the whiz. Yeah, but we got to sneak in a review of but. We'll do. We got to. We'll do. We have to. We'll, we'll, we'll talk. I mean, it's, hey, man. there's no black movie event hey, bigger. There isn't. Well, well, maybe we will. Maybe we will. Come on. We'll talk. Let's talk. Let's talk about it. All right, folks. All right, ladies and gentlemen. I uh, hope you enjoyed this uh, binge lounge. Yeah. This very Black Panther binge lounge coming your way here on Michelle Mission. Um, it was a whole lot of fun. Check it out at a theater near you. Uh, Black Panther, the feature film. Chat with Bozeman, Michael B. Jordan. Uh, it, uh, a cast of characters. Daniel Kaluuya. I forgot about Daniel Kaluuya. I didn't mention him. He, he's in it. And, and he escaped from 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 Get Out. From and went the right to Wakanda. Yeah, he, he escaped from the he sunken sunk place all the way down and to went Wakanda. All the, and went all the way to Wakanda. <laughs> yep, he sure did. He sure did. He's doing work too. He is doing work. Um, oh man. Oh my God. It's, oh, I can't wait to talk to you about this film. Um, all right. All right. We got to get out of here. Um, thank you, everyone who checks out the uh, the, the Michelle Mission. Checks out the. Uh, hope you enjoyed this little diversion from our regular movie chats. Um, we will be back with uh, episode 100. Episode 100.
100. Of the Michelle Mission as we review The Wiz. Ease on down. down. Ease on down the road to The Wiz. This show, as you found it, is available on uh, com, as well as on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, um, Google Play, TuneIn, Cast FM, Spotify, and most of the good places where you find podcasts. Um, we do have some big news about that coming uh, shortly. We'll be bringing your way. Check us out also. 1 p.m. on Saturdays as a radio broadcast on WPPMLP 106.5 FM in Philadelphia and Camden People Power Media PhillyCam.org bringing it to you. We got to get out of here. He's Vince. I'm Len. Do we have a ending for binge lounge? We don't have a binge lounge ending, so we just say. Peace out to the peoples. Nice. You see the movie, you'll know what I'm talking about. Yes. <laughs> All right. Peace. Marker show out in the movie, don't they? They show out, don't they? <laughs>